Today on The Breakdown, there's four left in a WPT main event. And there's two guys, one of whom, by the way, just finished 10th in the World Series of Poker main event for $800,000. These two guys are, well, they're going to play pretty hard at each other. And it brings up a common poker issue, which is what happens when you have a very good hand, but the board is scary, you're getting a lot of pressure, and there are massive ICM implications. There are huge money jumps still to go. What do you even do? How do you figure this out? Oh, my gosh, I'm falling in a hole. I'm in a glass box of despair. Grant, help me. (laughs) I'm breaked out (laughs) with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Woo! I know you're laughing, and I can see you, and so I know you're smiling. <laughs> yeah. But if you just listen to your words, it <laughs> yeah. sounds very much like a call for help, and I'm mm. wondering if I should be calling Dr. Phil or somebody like that to help you out. Well, first of all, Dr. Phil, not, not my doctor, okay? <laughs> all right. That's all Dr. Phil it. is your doctor. I saw a prescription slip for, like, Valium or something from yeah. Dr. Phil yeah. that you had no, in your no, apartment. I mean, he's my doctor. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> go to him for medical advice, suggestions, and treatment, but he's not my, you know, not my you know, that's, physician. That's an illegal prescription. You know, the American Psychiatric Association revoked his license to uh, prescribe medicine, so I'm going to have to report you to somebody. Dude, you can't report me. You got to report him. I'm just, I'm a victim like everybody else. Don't report no, me. you can't report Dr. Phil. He's untouchable. <laughs> Oprah, America's he's got sweetheart. <laughs> he's America's sweetheart. He, um... I've watched about four minutes of Dr. Phil in my life, you know, and that's uh, more than I have. The one that I saw is actually the bum fights one, which is clearly a setup. Like a hundred percent of the time it's been faked because the guy who runs bum fights is on to do an interview and he's dressed exactly like Dr. Phil and like mocking him in theory, but he's, how would he know what Dr. Phil is dressed like? Why would they let him come on? Like clearly it's clearly on purpose. Right. But um, apparently what Dr. Phil used to do is, I have a friend who used to watch this. He told me that. So Dr. Phil would like stand next to you and say, like, all right, so you just start talking about your life, and every time I think you're lying, I'm going to tap you on your shoulder, and you stop, and you start again, okay? And apparently, using that technique, Dr. Phil could make anyone cry within about 90 seconds. <laughs> like, they're just, they start saying, oh, yeah, you know, blah, blah, and almost immediately, he's tapping them on the shoulder. They stop. They start talking. He taps them again. He taps, like, constant tapping, and then they're broken down, just, like, just sobbing. Within a minute and a half. So that's kind of cool. That's yeah, just like that's, a superpower. It sounds like bullshit to me. That's what that sounds like. Ah, you know, that's possible too. It sounds so cool though if you think it's real. I mean, how could that... Within 90 seconds? So if I'm I talking just, about my life... I'm, I mean... Like, I was born here, was raised here, and he's starting not, to tap me like, on. you're lying about that. Obviously, that's not what he means. He means talk about like your emotional life. You know, you're going... You're talking yeah. to Dr. Phil. You're not going to be like, I graduated the sixth grade at this year. Like, that's not what people want you to... He's going to... you graduates talking about, like, the sixth grade? <laughs> yeah, people graduate the sixth grade. Do you, you did you not graduate the sixth grade? I don't understand. <laughs> I, let me, this might be a semantics issue. Yeah. Is every time you successfully pass a grade that's graduating? No. Is that true? I don't believe that's true. I think it's when you leave a school and go on to the next school. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your problem? Most people don't graduate from sixth grade. I did. Well, you're 
different in ways that are, you know, unclear to me, but I guess it's that you get to graduate sixth grade. I'll just say this in Connecticut, where I grew up, everybody graduates from the sixth grade. And we're, you know, Connecticut's the richest state in the country, I think it was, probably, for a while. I mean, it could have been. And, like, so why don't you just follow our lead, bro? <laughs> How is that? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we're the elites. <laughs> That's I graduated kindergarten. I graduated eighth grade. Graduated high school. Wow. And college. You went, from, you, went, you went to a school from one to eight? Yep. Damn, son. That's crazy. The bullying must have been mad. Like, really, that must have been, like, rough for some kids. Like, when you got oh, eighth yeah, graders. For some, for, oh. Actually, most of the bullying was between the same grade levels. Not, it wasn't like the eighth graders were bullying the fifth graders too often, oh, I don't good. think. That's good. I always, I always, you know, picked on... Sharks a little smaller than me, so I would like go like two or three. Actually, the real the real sweet spot is about four or five grades down, because those kids you can really they are not going to fight back, and even if they do, just just can... a field day for just a field day for you, huh? <laughs> give me your give me your damn lunch money, and they just burst into tears. It's like a Doctor Phil thing. I'm like I'm going to yeah. tap you on the shoulder, and you're going to cry, and they're like, "What do you mean?" And you tap them really hard, and they just cry because it hurts so much. And then you take their money and. And you say, I'll see you tomorrow, sucker. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's a little tip. It's actually a good life tip, life skill. Uh, yeah. Pro, life pro Punch tip. down. <laughs> exactly. Like, if you're going to pick on someone, pick on someone you definitely, definitely can, like, you know, physically dominate or, um, you know, emotionally dominate. <laughs> this is going dark places, isn't it? It just went yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah. This is, it, no, it, this it is, was uh, fine. It was fine until wholesome. I hit that last bit. <laughs> It's wholesome content. Thank you, Jonathan Sorry. Lovey, for the Sorry. true inner workings of your mind and the dark depths of yeah. your soul. That's. I guess. I think, I you guess... Do, I think maybe you do need Doctor Phil to start tapping you until you <laughs> cry. <laughs> yeah, I just like to say to all the second graders, you know, watch your back. <laughs> I hope second graders aren't listening. <laughs> I hope second graders aren't listening to this podcast. Yeah, I doubt they are. That's the good news. Anyway, I just I, I feel like I have to say this because what the things I said were kind of inflammatory that I did not bully children at any point. <laughs> I was never a bully. If anything, I was bullied. It's fine. These are all just jokes. All right, moving on. Nobody believes you. Yeah, I know. It it's bit. out there now. It's too late. That, that's what you claim, though, right? You just turn it around. You're like, whatever you're accusing me of, I accuse you of. I was bullied. The world is bullying me. You know, that kind of a thing. No, you crashed your tractor into my Walmart. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, that probably is the case, right? I didn't, cra- I didn't crash my Walmart into your tractor very often. <laughs> that is a tough one. No, no, I'm accusing you of the same thing that you accuse me of. <laughs> oh, right? like, oh, that makes more sense, and I like where you're going. Yeah. I like where your head's at. It's when you had to explain that joke to me. It would have been a really good joke if I could have rolled with it. But I messed it up because I'm still thinking about, you know, bullying school children. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Somebody who didn't mess it up is Brian Sika, who suggested the hand today. Brian suggested it on Twitter. He included a YouTube link and a timestamp. That is how you have to suggest a hand for the breakdown. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter at the number two Poker Guys. That is where you should suggest hands. Surely his name is Sika, not Sika, right? Like I'm Sika, yeah. all your freaking things, Grant. Like I'm Brian. Well, Brian Sika can man. reach out to us and let us know how to pronounce it for if he suggests future hands that get on the breakdown. Yeah. But 
For now, he's Brian Sika or Sika, <laughs> whatever he wants to be. Well, I think we should pick for him, and that, and, and that will be it. That will be his mantle. I think we should go with the third option, oh. which sounds cooler. Yeah. Sika. Brian Sika. Is that cooler? <laughs> Is that yeah. cooler? All right. I am Brian you know Sika. You're younger than me. Maybe you know. Maybe you know what's cool these days. I mean, maybe you don't, but it's possible because I'm out of touch. Yeah, I'll let you know what's in for the fall fashion pretty soon. That actually is cool now that I say it out loud. All right. Yeah. I knew you'd come around. It's like something that a Mortal Kombat character might say after they punch another Mm. Mortal Kombat character. Yeah, totally. It's also like something, it has to be said a little differently, though. something like uh, Captain Kirk would yell to the sky on the planet that he's been abandoned. Sika! Like... (laughs) Something like that, you know, because Sakai just left in there and he's upset. Yeah. That that kind of thing happens in Star Trek every so often, you know. (laughs) Yeah, just like, you know, a couple couple weeks go by and then he's on another planet just screaming at the sky. (laughs) Big fist in the air. All right. Let's talk about the hand. Let's talk about poker. There are four remaining in this tournament. Uh, The current pad is $86,000. First place is 279k. So obviously the majority of the money is still left to be won. Poker tournaments are so weird like that. 5K Uh, buy-in. Yeah. So this was uh, not not the hugest field, obviously, based on those payouts. It it did happen March 10th, 2020. So I guess people were already a little afraid of Corona. So that probably contributed to it being a smaller field. I'm I'm sure it did. I mean, I think they shut down all the poker stuff like the next week, even. Didn't the NBA shut down like March 11th? So this may have just been just something like that anyway. So. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Nonetheless, no one cares. No one knows. Nonetheless, fourth place is 86K and first is 279. So a lot of money left to be won. A lot of, a lot of fear that can be wrought upon these players by the other players. To your point, though, they only had 250 entries. So it does kind of seem like you're right. But anyway. that doesn't mean they can't play interesting hands. Let's get to it. Okay. So... We've got a player named Robert. I don't remember his last name. Do you have his it's, last name? It's Hydorn. H-E-I-D-O-R-N. Oh, Robert Hydorn. Yeah. yeah. So he finished 10th in the main event in 2019, the year Hossein Ensign won the last live main event, uh, which makes up the majority, I, I suppose, of his live winnings, or at least about half of them, because he's Is got it, 2.4 million. He won 800,000. It's actually about a third of his live winnings. Interestingly enough, he has no other... Uh, Really significant scores. He has a bunch of like 50 and 60K hits, mostly, that somehow add up to 2.3 million. I actually, looking at it, I don't even... I'm wondering if the math is wrong, because it's like, how could this add up to 2.3? I was looking at his whole Hendon. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But he has that 800K score. Here he is, four left in this WPT. He's obviously legit. Yeah. And the blinds are 25K, 50K. He's got 3.1 million, so... 62 bigs in front of him. And he's going to raise to 110K in the cutoff with two nines. Nine of diamonds, nine of spades. So the cutoff is also under the gun because we're four-handed, but you know, cutoff right. is more relevant than calling it under the gun. That's fair. Um, then on the button, we have Kevin. What's Kevin's last name? Rabichow. Kevin Rabichow. And what are his earnings like? They are, not, they are certainly less significant. He has won... Uh, Absent this cash, so I won't be spoiling anything, of course. He had, he's won about like $650,000, give or take. His best live score is almost 500K, though. 
because he won, did he win this? You know, he finished second in a Party Poker Millions event uh, in May 2019 for $484,000. So So that's most of it for him. He may have some chops then. Yeah. He's he's comfortable at this table, I'll say that. Having done that, you you know how it is like when you've already won more than you could ever win at a tournament? It's just like there's a level of comfort you have with the money and the, and the ICM and all that, which is just different than when it's like more money than you've ever played for, at least for me. Yeah. It's like just a different thing where you're like, I can make more moves. It's not as big a deal. You know, the money doesn't feel as, as daunting. So I imagine both these guys are in a place where they're not daunted by that part of it. Perhaps we'll see if the play says yes. that or not. I should imagine. I didn't say it's a fact, Grant. Are we going to break into that John Lennon song like all the celebrities did three days into Corona, like it was going to somehow cure everybody? Boy, that That did not go over well. No, it was very cringy. I didn't watch it, of course, because why would I? No, why would would I watch it? But but, the idea um, is cringy. I just remember seeing like clips of Gal Gadot, big smile on her face, singing a little bit of that at the camera. And like somehow like imagining that that was going to like heal the world or something. I don't know what they thought was going to happen that was going to go well. Like people were like, "Thank you so much for singing a song to all of us," as if you're, if it's, it's important. But that is celebrity culture. In fairness, people care about celebrities in weird ways that I've never understood. So, you know, that's just the deal. Like what, what you know, freaking Kim Kardashian really pulled off that black halter top. It's like an article that is all the time. You know, on like Google and stuff like that. Like I, I don't understand any of it. Well, let's let's care about Kevin's Jack Ten suited in a way okay. that doesn't make sense to people. That's he's got fine. Jack Ten suited on the button. He's got four point three million in front of him, so he's got eighty six bigs. He's feeling good, living the life. <laughs> How would you typically approach Jack Ten suited in this situation against the uh, sixty blind mm. opener? That is a good question. I think first of all, we're deep enough so we can absolutely flat here. Like, yeah, I think it probably plays better as a flat than not for a few reasons. Uh, one, we don't have any significant blockers. Two, this is like kind of the, one of the ultimate flatting hands on the button when you're this deep, right? It's like such a great hand to flat um, where we can keep the pot small-ish so you know, we, don't have to, we don't have to lose our minds. If we three-bet, we're kind of forced to C-bet on, on a lot of boards, if, assuming we continue. I think it's okay to three-bet this hand for sure, and once in a while we should. But I think mostly this plays better as a flat. I'm, I'm mostly voting for flat here. Like, I'm voting for like 75% of the time at least, or right around there, flatting. What do you think? I, I mostly agree, but I'm going to throw a wrench into the analysis oh, here. Good, good. That is that the big blind Tony has 885K in front of him. Oh. So he might be squeezing a fairly wide range here if we flat. If we three bet, we obviously have to call if Tony shoves, but that range is much tighter and much less likely to happen. Yeah, so it's interesting. Like, so is it better to flat and get squeezed out of the pot more, or is it better to three bet and every time Tony decides to go with this hand, we're kind of forced to call? I don't know. We're actually, yeah, no, we're well. We don't we don't have to, but we're because we I know mean, we're if up we against, ma- if we make it like three hundred k and he ma- he makes it eight eighty five, we kind of have to call with. We wouldn't make with it the that, dead money. We'd have to make it less than that for sure. You know, we'd have to with that in mind. Even like it would look strong. Maybe we can get a lot of folds out of. Uh, out of hind door and sort of weaker. I'm pretty sure with Jack 10 suited, even if we make it 250, we're going to have to call the 885 once it gets back to us and we're closing the action. I don't know if, if we Heidorn actually... Doesn't. Do, we, do we have to? I mean, think about it this way. Tony in the big blind is going to have a very strong range once we three bet. Yeah. When he called four bets. 
I don't know if we have to call it Jack 10. We're probably barely getting two to one, if that. We might be able to fold it. But how about we don't, but I'd rather just not deal with that. I'd rather, I think I'd rather just call and hope, hope he doesn't squeeze. If he's squeezing a lot, we probably can't call, though, right? If he's squeezing a whole lot. Yeah. But assuming True. he's not squeezing a whole bunch, then I'd say I like a call mostly. What do you think? What's, what's your take? Yeah, how do you, th- how do you think it, this affects it is what I'm asking, the, this, the shorter stack and the big I stack. think it's, it makes me lean towards three betting a little bit more, and I don't think I'm okay. going to adjust my size to make it smaller. Like The main purpose of my three bet is still like to garner some preflop fold equity against Hydorn, which I would like to do by making it at least 3x his, yeah. his raise. Um, so if we have to end up calling Tony, fine. Like Sometimes we're against ace-queen or ace-king, and we're in okay shape, you know? Yeah. Sometimes maybe we're even up against eights or sevens or a hand like that, nines. Yeah, it could be okay. That's possible. Um, I will say this, though, too. Like, we should actually have a pretty strong calling range here. Like, Jack-10 suited should be, like, near the bottom of our calling range because we know there's going to be some squeezes and stuff like that. So we should have, like, ace-queen in our calling range some of the time, uh, some some reasonable pocket pairs in our calling range, even some traps in our calling range here, right? Yeah. Maybe we can even have like kings once in a while in this in our calling range too. So if Tony is like really on top of things, maybe he knows, unless he's seen us call a lot, maybe he knows he can't really squeeze that often effectively. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. All, it all depends on history with how much does Tony squeeze, how much do we call without knowing anything. I think I prefer a call. Um, so I can just fold and lose two blinds, but I understand you're thinking about trying to get some fold equity right now, and maybe we're maybe we're then we're stuck to the pot if we get the jam. Yeah, I think I, I prefer calling too, especially when the original opener is the effective stack between us and the original opener, and he's 62 blinds deep. Yeah, and we're in, we get to be in position and play. You know, we want to be deep stacked, right, with this hand yeah. in position. So it feels like that. That feels like yeah, that that supersedes all the other stuff. Unless Tony's just squeezing a lot. Kevin agrees. Yeah. Suspiciously. And I say that only because he just looks like he's very suspicious of everybody all the time, this guy. He looks you know like what I he's mean? getting away with something constantly. Something he's got like a yeah. little like just a little smile on the edge of his lips where it's like, what is going on? It feels like he just like he's like, got like oh, a wry oh, ho, grin. Ho, I've poisoned all of you. <laughs> it feels like that's what <laughs> like, he's thinking. Oh, you heard, did you hear about that bank heist where they made off with $14 million? <laughs> You'll never know it was me, but it was. I am not a common you know? criminal. I'm an exceptional criminal. You know, like. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's Kevin for you. <laughs> and uh, he's going to call. <laughs> he's going to call with Jack Tennis Spades on the button. Seems yeah. like a reasonable decision. It really does. Now, let's talk about a, a relatively common spot that Tony's in here in the yeah. big blind. With four deuce off and 885K at 50K big blind. So it's not, it's not really a good spot stack wise. Yeah. But the price is amazing, especially amazing considering that they're doing big blind ante and they haven't halved it. Um, so it's still a full big blind ante in the pot. Oof. So we're getting five and a half to one to call, but we have four deuce off. We're going to need to slam this flop for us to feel good about it, right? Like if it's four high, are we, I guess we could get it in sometimes, but like. It's not amazing, but I guess we're, if we're the clear I mean, short the, stack, yeah. The only bad four high is four three three, as far as that's concerned, for us because we have four deuce. The only bad four. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, that's a really good point. Actually, everything else is uh, two pair. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Or so better. okay, so it's unlikely. It's unlikely if it's that. But, but what if it's like six four, 
six six four. Let's say the flop is six six four. Are we just check raising all in with this? I guess so. I guess we are. Yeah. Sounds rough. I guess it we does. could we could check and see if it go, if it goes bet call we could just fold. If it goes bet fold we yeah. could shove. If it goes check 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 bet we could sh- we could shove also. So we can sort of play it by ear. I mean five and a half to one is super juicy. And I almost never fold in this spot. I would at least consider folding this hand. I have to say, I think this is really yeah. close. And I think it's okay to fold right here. I do too. If it was suited, I feel like it's an easy call because we Agreed. can check jam so many more flops. Yeah. But yeah, it just feels like, you know, that, that 1.2 blinds is really valuable for us right now with our stack for future fold equity stuff. We don't have to put it in just because the price is good with all of our hands. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I want to fold this hand. I think it's bad enough we can actually fold. If it was even like 7-5 off, I think it's an easy call, honestly. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, even if you think about straights, like, we're sort of cut off from the bottom end of the straight. There's, like, we make less straights because the ace is the bottom, you know? So, like, yeah, like 7-5 off, you can make straights in both directions all the way. You know, the, the 7 can be the top card. The 5 can be the top card. That's just not the case with the hand like this. Uh, I think I want to dump this hand and, let the, and hope these guys, like, go to war. And then maybe I get to ladder up and I stay the hell out of it. Like, yeah, with, with this hand, I, I agree with your thoughts, but I can't blame Tony for calling what she does either. with, with the price that he's getting. I mean, I that the fact that it's big blind Annie still and they're not having the big blind Annie with four players remaining yeah. really looms large in my mind in this spot where it's just like, oh, God, so much value. Let's let's play a quick game of uh, would you definitely call? So I'm going to give you hands. You're in the same situation. Would you just definitely call with them for sure? Okay, you ready? Okay. 10 yeah. 6 off suit. Yes. 10 5 off suit. No. Okay. So we just found a line. I assume anything suited, you're definitely calling. Yes. Okay. Um, there's not too much left. 8 4 off. No, I don't think so. Okay. 8 5 off is a call. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 8 4 off is close. 10-5 off doesn't feel close, yeah. but 8-4 off feels close to me. I, don't, I think I fold it, but I, could, I might call with it. It's weird. It's really close. Um, that's most of the game. I think we're done with the game now. 9-5 off. Okay. 9-5 off? Yeah. I call. Yeah. So it's like one pip better in both spots than 8-4 off, but it does feel different. Yeah. All right. Also, of course, depends what the suits are. If it's diamonds and clubs, obviously you're calling. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay, that was a, this has been a game of Would You Definitely Call with Grant and Jonathan. Yeah, it's been a fun one. Yeah, uh, we got to do that more. <laughs> All right, so we've got Robert as the original opener with 62 okay. bigs. He's got two nines. Kevin's got Jack Tennis Spades. He's got the chip lead with 86 bigs. And Tony's the short stack in the big one with four deuce off. Pots, $405,000. Nitrogen Sports. You just, you just, is so good. Tony calls. By the way, Tony does call. Yeah, I actually already said that, and we talked about it, so I don't worry listening. about it. I wasn't listening. <laughs> but you, had, you felt the need to interrupt me despite not knowing what's going on in the podcast to correct no, me and I make sure listening. that the... <laughs> I was listening just now. I just wasn't listening before when you said whatever you said. Mostly when you're talking, I'm on my phone, obviously. You know, like surfing the net, seeing what's on Twitter, you know, giving, doing a little him. Instagram. Internet. What? The internet's amazing. Can't blame you. Thank you. Can't it's, blame you. You know, I got, I got, I'm in a bunch of subreddits here. I got a lot of conversations with a lot of people in the world. And uh, 
What do you want from me? Uh, I got to. All right. Well, why don't about? you have a conversation with yourself about nitrogen sports right now? Then? I wouldn't do that, but I would talk to the people about nitrogen sports. Unlike oh. you, who's so busy okay. masturbatorially talking about nitrogen, it's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, nitrogen sports. Let's talk about the sponsor just for a little bit because not only are they good guys and like true blue in terms of always paying out, never being weird, giving great. Great stuff to everyone. <laughs> That's nice and vague. They have, of course, sports betting. They have casino games. They have poker. And not only do they have poker, they have our famous, our best iterated value in poker tournament. It's the end of every month. It's the Poker Guys tournament where they guarantee 1,000 buy-ins. There's less than 300 players. Uh, 300 players are the max amount that's allowed to play. We got like 200. It's crazy. It costs less than a dollar to play. Actually, these days it costs a little more than a dollar to play because it's all in Bitcoin. Why, Grant? Because it's a Bitcoin-only site, Grant, which is a good thing because you get paid so damn quickly. But getting back to that tournament for a second, Grant, 200, like 200 players max, 1,000 buy-ins. That's insane. And anyone who's listening to this podcast, and I know there's people out there who aren't playing this tournament regularly, are fools. That's right. And I ask you, who is the greater fool, you or the guy you look at in the mirror? It's close. It's a pretty much a photo finish between the two of you knuckleheads. Get in there and play. <laughs> Yo, you got to use the link in the description, though, when you sign up. Otherwise, yeah. you, you can't play. That's important. Otherwise, none of it matters. Who is the greater fool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like maybe you are. You're, at the very least, the town jester, perhaps yeah. an intentional fool. I like that. Yeah, that's right. I think of myself as the town jester. Yeah, I know you do. It's a good, it's a good role. It's everybody gets role. to, everybody gets to enjoy you being the town jester, whether they want to or not all the time. <laughs> That's right. It's sort of a, a forced good time. <laughs> That's when they're around me. Yeah. Forced yeah. good time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyway, speaking yeah. of a forced good time, let's play some, uh, some poker or three way hand here. Okay. All right, so there's 405K in the pot. The flop is seven of hearts, three of clubs, eight of clubs. So Tony hasn't flopped much at all with his four deuce in the big blind. Two nines is still an over pair, which is nice. And uh, Kevin's got a gut shot with his jack ten of spades, but no backdoor flush draw, which is a bit of a bummer. Tony checks. He's done. It's over. What are you going to do, Tony? Not, Not much you can do. It's fine. Robert's going to bet. Don't really need to discuss that. That makes plenty of sense. Now, it gets a little tricky if Kevin raises, of course. But this board is pretty clean for us, and we want to deny equity, right? Like, we have to bet. We have to bet. And, I mean, if we get raised, we ain't folding. I know that. Now, we could decide if we want to play fast or slow with our overpair. But we're just going to, if it's a cooler, it's a cooler. Like, you know, we're definitely, we're not, we're not going to bet fold a freaking overpair forehanded. You know, that's insane. Unless this guy is the tightest of the tight. Like, that's just, we just can't do it, right? Especially on a board this wet, eight, seven, three, two clubs. Like, there's so many draws. We're just never, we can't fold. We're probably just call a raise and going to have to navigate tricky waters down there. Yeah, we might have to fold on, like, if we bet, get raised, we might have to fold on club turns and some some other turns too, probably. Yeah, I think so. Um, But this feels like just a straightforward bet. And by the way, Tony could be check raising all in, which would be awesome. Yeah, we'll accept that, certainly. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Robert does bet. He bets 180 into the pot of 405K. Okay. Pretty normal, standard sizing. Kevin with two overs in the gut shot. No back door. How do you want to proceed? By the way, I think Robert should be betting more on a board this wet three ways, but whatever. Um, 
Maybe he's trying to give Tony more license to shove. That's great. Yeah, and maybe three ways he doesn't have to bet as much, now that I'm thinking about it. Like, it's harder for uh, Robert to make... Sorry, not Robert. For Kevin to make a play with Tony behind him and stuff like that. Anyway, I think as Kevin with Jack 10, we have overs, we have a gut shot to the nuts, we have a clear call here. Like, raising gets a little weird because Tony could shove behind us. Um, and also, like, we're in position. Like, part of the beauty of being in position is we can call here and we're going to get a check to us a lot on the turn and then we get to steal it, right, if we don't improve. Feels like we have to call. Yeah. If we raise, we're repping basically a set of threes. Mostly we're three betting sevens and eights at this stage of the tournament, right? Um, mostly. Now, with the 15 blind stack, maybe we're a little less likely to do that. We, so we can have um, sometimes, we can also have eight seven suited for sure, but there's only two combos of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot. It's a lot easier to put us on a draw than on a made hand if we raise, which is problematic because we do have a draw and not a very yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like mostly we're just going to call here, right? We can always make a play at the pot later. Yep. So that's what Kevin does. Seems, seems good. Tony folds. He's done with his little experiment. Bye-bye, Tony. Hmm. Pot is now 765K. The turn is the six of diamonds. Yeah. So Robert is now open-ended. The board is seven, eight, three with two clubs, then the six of diamonds in the turn. Robert with his two nines open-ended. Doesn't change anything for Kevin's jack ten of spades. Uh, except that he can make a longer straight now, which is really cool. Um, <laughs> so I think this is an interesting spot for Robert. Me too. As far as the decision between checking and betting, I think you can make really good cases for either one. I'm going to guess you're going to be on the betting side because of your limit hold'em background. I'm not so sure, actually. I'm, I'm really torn. I, it's not so obvious to me. The six is actually a weird card because the six against the calling range... The six plays a lot. The six matters a fair amount, right? Like six, seven yeah. comes in. Um, nine, ten, although we block nine, ten, but nine, ten comes in. I don't think four or five suited is calling with a gutter very often on this flop, but it's not completely impossible. Uh, I don't know if he can have six, eight suited, but maybe he can. Like the six feels like it matters against the calling range. Like now clubs are the thing that, so we, the question is, do we want to deny equity and charge the clubs? But if we bet and get raised now it's, I feel like now we may have to fold if we bet and get raised. So but we have an open me, ender. Oh yeah. We can't fold. You're right. So that makes me just want to check with like, we got a really good hand that is often best. Doesn't really want to play a huge pot though. And we can induce bluffs and stuff like that. It's not the end of the world to bet here for sure. But I think I like a check call better. Where are you? I think I agree. It's just like there's so many bad cards on the river that could come. So <laughs> many. We're just going to have to hold on against most of it, I think. Like if an eight comes and we check and he bets big, we may have to fold. Maybe. Yeah. But like besides that, I don't really know. Like if a club comes and he bets big, maybe we have to fold there too, especially because we block the straight draws. But besides that, I feel like I feel like if it's just like the king of hearts, we're calling. You know, Any, anything, the ace of hearts – Okay, once in a while, the nut flush got there, but, you know, made, made top pair, but we probably have to check call that, too. What if it's the king of queens? Just a little Kevin James on the river. What you know, do you do I, I would say I think your YouTube videos are really high production value and sometimes entertaining, but you're probably spending too much money on them. That's what I would do if it was Kevin James. Kevin James makes YouTube videos? Yeah, he started a YouTube channel, like, three months ago and is spending a lot of money on it. And, it, I mean, that they are kind of amazing videos in terms of the production quality. They're like super high end. 
Like he plays a sound guy, not always, but his most famous thing is sound guy in movies. So they cut him into like No Country for Old Men and uh, uh, I Am Legend, stuff like that. And it really looks like, like the amount of money they're spending on like lighting, nine guys, it's, it's like eight or nine guys, production team, who's doing this with him. And they're, I mean, it's really impressive. They're not all that huh. good. The, the No Country no for Old One, by the way, is really worth seeing. It's great. It's a fabulous video. It's like two minutes long. Well, I am surprised that this podcast turned towards praise of Kevin James, but that is <laughs> what happened. Yeah. You brought him up, and here we are. You know, I'm, that, I'm the culturally, pop culture relevant guy. You know, that's me. We're hitting, we're hitting America in the gut here with the Dr. Phil and Kevin James references, you know? Yeah, what, what's left? A little Beyonce, and we're, we're out. <laughs> All right. So Robert does check on the 78362 yeah. club board with his two nines on the turn. Are you checking? I here? like all your reasons. Are you checking? Mostly? I think I am. I think I am because it's like picking up the equity is nice, but we have significant showdown value. Yeah. Betting and getting raised is a nightmare because it puts us in a spot where we really hate it, but we also feel like we can't fold because we've turned the open ender to go with our pair but and we so, block the nuts. But so often we're going to call and then face a big bet on the river where we don't have a big enough hand where we feel we can call. And it just like, we have to like burn through 12 lines here, which is, you know, significant. Yeah. It's, but yeah, I think we're supposed to check call, but man, I mean, what we're obviously we're supposed to bet sometimes and check sometimes, right? Like we're definitely supposed to bet yeah. some of the time. So we're balanced, but I think we're probably, I like checking more than I like betting, I guess like 60, 40, 70, 30, something like that. To you, what is the relevance of not having a club? Does that make you want to check more or bet more? Uh, that makes me want to bet more. I understand checking means we might induce, um, but I hate giving a free card here. I just hate it. Yeah. And uh, so I'd really rather bet. And also that means like when we bet and get raised, there's more bluffs. Like we don't block the bluffs as much. So we, we can hang on a little more, which seems better. So I, wanted, so I like not having a club. That makes me want to put chips in more of the time. I mean, Wait, do you agree I, with This that? might be like, Yeah. Okay. This might be like a not very good hand as far as like how hand quality versus a raise that we actually have to go with because it's perfect in two ways and that we don't block flush draws and we do block the nut straight. Yeah, that's right. It's weird, man. It gets really weird. Like, I, we get, I mean, if we get raised, our hand isn't, even though we block the nut straight, we couldn't like, we wouldn't want to like three bet big. As a bluff. No. Because I don't think we're folding out two pair. I just don't think... Like, it's going to look like we have kings if we do that, right? Like, it's not going to look like we have 9-10. Yeah. So, we can bet call or we can check call. Those are our two options. Well, Robert goes with the check. I do like the check. I like to mitigate variance here. I know. Yeah. And it was, honestly, with the, uh, the 15 blind stack, that's, that's another reason to do it, too, right? We don't want to... Like, we have a, a reasonable stack right now. There's just no reason to play for most yeah. of it. And um, this is a very obvious spot for Kevin to bet, right? I mean, like, Robert didn't really have to have anything to bet the flop. He could have just ace high or king high here. Kevin has jack high. This is one, like, maybe there are some cards that Kevin shouldn't bet after calling the flop, but any card that Robert checks on that either adds a straight or a flush to the board feels like a card that you should bet on if if you're Kevin, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think... Really, I mean, we're just betting if we're checked to here, I think, kind of always with this hand, like when we don't improve, right? Like kind of 100%. Anyway. Even on like a ace? 
Yeah, because he can have like king, queen and stuff. Although it's weird that he doesn't chooses not to bet on an ace, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now he's got like pocket jacks and stuff, which is hold or pocket queens, which is holding on. Maybe an ace is a really maybe ace is like the worst card to do it on. But like maybe any other card we can bet. Yeah. Even a king, I think we can bet if he checks. Yeah. I think. So that's pretty good. Kevin is Kevin is gonna bet. He's gonna go kind of big. He bets five twenty five and a seven sixty five. He's just yeah. saying like Go away with your pocket fives or whatever. Like you can't hold on with that hand. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. Don't don't get cute with your ace ace x because the clubs aren't aren't hitting because I miss with my clubs or whatever the hell I miss with. Right. Like go the fuck away. Yeah. I mean, this is becoming more and more of a thing that we see is uh, the sizing up on the turn. You know. Yeah. On a wetter board anyway. Like just a real like usually the the flop bet is small and the turn bet is big. Now that's like pretty standard. Now, it seems obvious that Robert should just call here, but yeah. should he potentially raise to shut out clubs because he blocks the nuts and it makes it so much less likely that Kevin has a straight or anything that can call? That is a pretty interesting question. Okay, if he raises, he's committing himself to this pot. Yeah. So the problem with raising is every time we don't get a fold, we're pretty much screwed. Right, like maybe if Kevin has like Jack ten of clubs, then he then we're not screwed, but he's not folding. I mean, I don't know. He bets five twenty five, and we put make it we make it one point six million. I guess he could call. Is he going to jam with Jack ten of clubs? It doesn't make any sense to jam there, right? So he's either going to call or fold. I guess once in a while he could just call, and we could and we could the board could break out, and we could we could win. I guess, but mostly it feels like. Yeah, there's very few hands, right? So that is the one yeah. problem. So we could, we'd be risking a lot. Now, the pot is significant, but we'd be risking a lot of our stack to do that. If we're going to take this approach, i almost rather just bet ourselves. I understand, like, we can't shut out clubs in the same way. Um, but I, just, I, have a, I worry about the continuing range here, which just feels like it's way too strong. Certainly. Uh the question was not based on this, that really it was more that it seems like Kevin's going to have a lot of hands that can't continue. And yeah. there are a lot of bad cards for us on the river. That's true. But that, I agree with you. That's probably not a strong enough reason to do it because of the massive risk it includes. I think this plays better in maybe a different spot. If, uh, if we're deeper, I think this plays better as a check raise. If, uh, if we don't have a 15 blind stack or 18 blind stack or whatever it is, just sort of sitting there, that feels like that matters too. Um, if we weren't in the part where the money ladder jumps are the biggest, you know, so the ICM stuff, there's more ICM pressure, which sort of forces us to probably play a little more conservatively a lot of the time when we're not the smallest stack by a lot, you know, not that we have to, but mostly we should do that, right? Mostly. Once in a while we can go for it. I don't know that we need to go for it here with a real hand. We actually have a real hand here. Yeah. We often have the best hand. So it's weird. We're sort of, oh, we're almost turning it into a bluff. We're not, but we're like we're going for fold equity when we often yeah. have the best hand. It's a little bit strange, right? I agree. I agree, and I would default towards calling. I just yeah. wanted to explore it. No, I think it's a good question. Well, Robert does end up calling. Seems normal. Seems fine. Pot's now significant, 1.8 million with a little change, and Robert's got 2.4 million remaining, so it's, it's become a significant pot here, especially for Robert. Yeah. The board reading, seven of hearts, eight of clubs, Three of clubs, six of diamonds. The river is the 10 of clubs, which is an interesting card for yeah. three reasons. One, the flush comes in. Two, Robert makes a straight. Three, Kevin makes top pair. Yeah. 
So, as Robert, are you ever leading this card? You made a straight, but it's a club. It's a weird thing. And so, sorry, no, that's ahead. that's about it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, like, if we lead, we maybe we can get called by two pairs sometimes, right? That's what we're trying to get called by, basically two pair and like and like slow played sets on the flop. That's what we're targeting, I think. Um, this is such a bad card for those hands. It's possible we're, gonna, we're not even going to get called by a lot of those hands. Like, if he's got 6-7, is he calling if we lead right now for any significant amount on this card, this death card? Don't say, probably not. You're right. So then, if, that's, if, we're, if we're folding out some of the two pairs, we probably shouldn't bet for value because we're just not getting called by enough. So then I think we need to check. The problem is how many bluffs are there? I worry about him. Like, there just may be very few bluffs also. Like, the guy called yeah. on the floppy bet the turn, and then the death card comes in on the river. He's got a lot of checkbacks. Is this one of those spots where maybe the answer is tiny bet? Like, we lead for, like, there's 1.8 million in the pot. We lead for 300K. Maybe. Here's a, maybe there's some bluffs in that, but they wouldn't be, like, traditional bluffs. Maybe, uh... Maybe we can get Kevin to bluff with one pair of hands that are not like top parry type hands, you know? Like if he has ace eight suited or ace seven suited, where we check called the turn and it's like, oh. And then the ten of clubs come in, it's like I'm off and losing, actually. But this is a great card to like try and move you off your jacks or whatever the hell you have, you know? Maybe. I don't know. So Maybe. I would be stuck between those two options, I think. Is the bet tiny to induce, which doesn't sound like a bad play at all. I'm kind of down with that. Bet. And if we're betting time to induce, we might bet like what, 200K? It's not to induce, really. It's like to try to, oh. it's like the traditional blocker bet. Fair yeah. enough. Because uh, I, think, I think if he raises, it's pretty scary. And it is pretty we'll awful. have to consider our options, but folding is definitely on the table at that point. Yeah. Right. But this way you can maybe get called by the two pair, is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I think it, this is where it's really going to come down to our image and his image a lot, right? Like, do we, are we the kind of guy who, if we lead there, uh, like we're doing things like that enough that he like, where it feels like we're taking lots of small stabs and he feels like he maybe has to call because we have kings and we don't know what to do with them kind of a thing? Or do we just always have too strong a hand there if we lead, you know, and, and he would know that. Is this the kind yeah, of guy I, who's going to, is he going to turn one pair into a bluff? Some people are never going to turn one pair into a bluff. Some people are going to do it a lot in this spot because they're like, I'm always losing. I might as well bluff. It's all the same, right? So I think, it, I think that really matters. Yeah. And that's a non-traditional option, certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think if you're going to lead, it has to be small probably for it to make sense, though. Like you were saying, all the reasons that you said earlier for like a normal-sized lead. First of all, it's a weird line, and it looks really strong. And it's kind of weirdly overvaluing our hand almost. We also never have a bluff here. We check called the turn out of position. We just never, we always have a value yeah. hand. So that's problematic. Like you want to have some yeah. bluffs. Like yeah. maybe two pair, maybe two pairs supposed to fall because we never have a bluff here. I maybe. Maybe not. Maybe two pairs like you can have kings sometimes, maybe, and you don't know what to do with them. So you're betting tiny. Maybe. Maybe you get called by six, seven. If you bet small, maybe. I don't know. When we have zero bluffs, it's problematic when you have zero bluffs. It is. So Robert checks, and that seems like the right decision. I cannot fault it. All right. So as Kevin, you rivered top pair, but it yeah. is a third club, and it is four to a straight now. 
do we just tap the table and hope to take our winnings and just hope that Robert has ace high or something, which feels really unlikely, or do we have to turn our hand into a bluff to win? I mean, we can. there's a hole in between there of, like, Robert having one pair of hands that we're beating, right? He can have, like, ace-seven suited and stuff like that. Ace-six suited, ace-seven suited. Um, I might be able to think of other things, although, admittedly, it's not super easy, actually. Uh, pocket fives, maybe, that call the turn because they're open-ended and, like, they have a pair. Uh, there's not, I guess there's not a huge, there's not a huge galaxy of one pair of hands that we're beating now that I see I'm not hundred percent convinced that a seven and a six suited are calling the turn either. The bet was pretty big. Yeah. They might consider just folding. I mean, it is a draw heavy board. It's possible they call, but you're right. It's not a guarantee that they call. You're right. Um, I don't think we're always losing here. My inclination would be to tap the table on this super scary card, but I think it's definitely worth exploring. Like, are we just losing to too much of the range since he check called? That and, and, and this is this is the kind of card we could definitely move him off a bunch of hands, right? Like if you've got two red jacks, right. this is this is a terrible card. Like the way Robert has played this hand very much does not look like clubs, right? Right. Absolutely. It doesn't in any honestly, you wouldn't even really think he has that many nines either, even though he does. Right. But it really does look like he has something better than ace high. Yeah. Which usually is gonna have us beat when he's able to check call the turn. So I'm concerned that he has a lot of overpairs here. Mm. And those overpairs absolutely despise this card. Yeah. I actually think we're supposed to bluff with yeah. Jack 10 here, even though we rivered top pair. He probably has more overpairs than he does pairs that are below the 10 at this point that we're beating. I yeah. think you're probably right. And he has almost no ace highs. So it's like, yeah. And he doesn't have super strong hands either, unless he has a set of 10s right now. Or pocket nines, right? Like, he doesn't have, like, sets of yeah. eights and sets of sevens. He's betting those on the turn or raising those on the turn or something. Almost yeah. always. So, maybe... I think you're probably right. I think we probably have to turn this into a bluff. That's a lot to put together in the moment, man. I got to tell you on that card. But I think you're right. Well, Kevin does it. Yeah. he's He bets $1.3 million and I, I like it. I think it's good. He makes a Dr. Evil smile as he does it. One million does. dollars. Yeah. Now, he's not expecting Robert to be as strong as having a straight. Now, no two nines, two nines as a straight for Robert is kind of the only straight that makes sense for Robert to have, and mm-hmm. it's really rare that he has it yeah. the way that he played it, so yeah. you wouldn't really expect that, right? So it's fair not to think that he has a straight too often. I mean, you would, you would yeah, think... Robert I th- does. I think a lot of people would assume that two nines is betting the turn, like reasonably so. Like, we thought it was close anyway. I think a lot of people are betting this turn with two nines. And I think in the moment you probably like you have an overpair, you're open-ended. Of course you're betting the turn. Like it's reasonable to like yeah. quickly come to that. Right. Right. But I think of the straights available that are with a nine in them, Robert is more likely to bet his non-showdownable nines on the turn than his pocket nines. I agree. Ace nine suited. Which yeah, is the most, I guess like king, king nine, queen nine. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, as Kevin were like, okay, this dude almost always has an overpair, it looks like, or maybe he has something like ace eight and fine, whatever, then it's a just in case play. It doesn't matter if right. like if he calls great, what I an mean, accidental win. Can't imagine we're gonna get called by worse when we on this card when we play. Yeah. Right. But overpairs and ace eight play basically the same against this bet, of course, when you remove distribution from the equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so he bets one point three million into one point eight million. Is 
Kevin repping anything beyond a flush? Is he repping a straight too? The problem is coming up with what straights that he has here. That's the hard thing. I guess he can have eight, nine suited. Uh, yep. maybe, he can, maybe he can have ace, nine suited also with the, the shortest stack and the big blind where he's going to call the squeeze if it happens with ace, nine suited sometimes. But he called the flop. He probably doesn't have ace, nine suited. Yeah, you're right. Without clubs. You could have, I, think, I think it's eight, nine and seven, nine suited. Okay. That's not very much. There's very maybe you could have nine ten suited. Maybe you could have nine ten suited also. Turn the straight and not okay. raise the flop. Yeah, you know what? He could have nine ten suited for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, okay, so there's a few nines, but not too many. And he is. We do think he's probably taking this line with all of those nines for value, right? Like he's expecting that he has the best hand with those hands. Yeah, I think so. Um, he probably can also have pocket nines himself at least some of the time. Yeah. He might be forgetting okay. that, but at least some of the time he's going to call with the short stack and the big blind, the squeezing stack. And of course, Kevin also has flushes that make sense. Like any 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 two clubs that he would play pre-flop probably would play like this post-flop, yes. unless they raise the flop, right? Which sometimes they'll raise the flop, but a lot of the time they'll just call. Right, I think so. No, I, th- I agree. So king queen of clubs might play it just like this. Yeah. Okay. So. The value story makes sense from, from those perspectives. No question. Is there anything worse than a straight that he might play like this? I think once we check, he might bet a set like this. Because, Which set? Uh, good question. It would have to be a slow played set on the flop. So it would have to be like two sevens. Which right. is like often a three bet preflop. It's gonna, I yes, think. I agree. I think he can have any of the sets, but he can't have them all that often. Like, I think he can have pocket eights. I think he can have pocket sevens. He definitely can have pocket threes. But I agree with you. Eights and sevens are going to be three betting at least some of the time. Are you sure he's going to bet this big on the river with sets? I don't know. Maybe he's going for a polarizing type sizing? I don't know. It seems, it seems like you're really... I mean, there are some people who will do this, for sure. I watched Galen Hall do this with the set on, on a board like this and get Hero by Chris Moneymaker in a... PCA event from years ago. Recently, I saw this on YouTube. Uh, but it's not the kind of, Also, Galen Hall, elite, and Chris Moneymaker, very much a non-believer at all times. Uh, so that may have been a particular circumstance. I don't know if he would bet a set like this. I think it, I ha, if I was sitting there, though, in Robert's shoes, I would believe it's at least possible he can have a set here. Yeah, but I, I would not count that as very much of his value range. Like, no, I agree. Maybe... Three to four percent of it, because fl- the flushes make the most sense, and then after that, it's the nine type hands. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot All of right, so, flushes and a lot and, and a few straights. Okay, so against that range, we have to think as Robert first. Okay, that's that's the value range that we've outlined as as Robert. Not because like this is not a snap call. It's not a great spot with two nines. Uh, are there bluffs? And if so, what do they look like? Like what kind of hands do you think Kevin turns into bluffs here? That is, I mean, this is the big question is, will he turn one parent to a bluff? Right? Like, which we see the answer is yes, but will he do that? Because if he's doing that, then man, I can come up with a lot of things, but if he's not doing that, then it's hard to come up with any pair, any one pair of hand or any, any hands that uh, are bluffs because all the draws came in. Right. Yeah. So he needs to take a seven suited, or Jack 10, or whatever, Queen 9 suited, Queen 10 suited. I don't know how he's Queen 10 suited and calls the flop, actually. 
Um, there aren't that. It's hard to come up with that many bluffs, though, that he's going to do this with. Is is the scary truth, right? It's like ace it nine, is, ace. It eight, is scary. Ace seven. I mean, what else is there? So we're calling, hoping, if we call, we're hoping that either he is capable of turning a pair into a bluff, which we think is actually a good play, but it's tough to come up with it in the moment. Yeah. We think that some of the time we're chopping with a hand like 8-9, 7-9, or 9-10, and a decent chunk of the time we're losing to a flush. He, he might um, have pocket fives, but that's only six more combos anyway. But he might call pre with it. He might call on the flop on that board. And then when check two bets his open ender and like to deny equity and all of that, maybe he can have pocket fives and then now turn into a bluff when he gets called on the turn. It's not crazy. Okay. But that's still six combos. Fine. Right. But the, the thing about all these bluffs that we're talking about is like we have to get there and, and find him pulling the trigger with those. Whereas yeah. the, the flushes and the straights make tons of sense and he, you would expect him to take that line every time with, with those hands. Agreed. Agreed. But that's not so that that is a little bit of an argument for like a, assuming a fold is okay, but that's not the entire equation. We also have to take into account our own hand and our distribution and where we fit in there. Yeah. And like we were talking about when analyzing whether or not Kevin should bluff this river, we basically thought like Robert can't really have flushes, right? Right. So he can't really this have is Jack the best hand either. we ever have. Yeah, he doesn't have Jack yeah. Nine either. Like he can't check call Jack Nine on the turn. He's not going to. This is the the best hand that we can ever have. The only way it could be better is if we had the nine of clubs in our hand. That is a clearly better spot. And then you could argue that maybe there's some other hands that have clubs in them with their, but then, but then we have, but having a nine blocks a straight. So maybe this is still, maybe because it's actually rank wise, the best hand and it still blocks some of the value. Maybe it's better than having like two jacks with the jack of clubs. Right. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. So that we're basically at the very tippy top without having a club in our hand anyway. All right, so you put that all in the hopper. Where do you come out on it? Like, do you call or do you fold? I mean, it's, it's, I will say coming into this conversation, I thought it was a pretty clear call. I don't know that it's so clear anymore. Like, it's hard to come up with bluffs. It's easy to come up with value. Most of the value we're either chopping with or losing to. We're blocking the chops and not blocking the stuff we're losing to. It's not super great, but we have the best hand we can ever have when we do block some of the value. We're super exploitable. If we fold here, clearly, right? This is like uh, kind of an insane fold in that way. Like, if we're folding this, I guess we're literally folding our whole range here, right? Unless we can have clubs. Unless, uh, unless we know we can have clubs and play them this way, which is a, an unorthodox and probably not profitable way to play clubs. I actually should say that's not true. Like, if we're folding this, we're not folding our whole range. We're calling with two nines with a, nine, with a club in our hand, right? We're calling, maybe we're calling yeah. some other times with a club in our hand exclusively. We have, like, but... I don't know, man. If like ace nine with the ace of clubs, we call with. Ugh. I guess that's fine. That's a straight anyway. That's but there's we're but not there's calling the turn. Well, we're, we're open ended. We're open ended. But we we're not calling the turn. We bet it. We wouldn't yeah. check it. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's real because this is the best hand we can show up with. I really want to call, and we block some of the value. I really want to call, but I got to say, this is not cut and dry to me. If we knew this kid was capable of turning turning one pair into a bluff, we we have to call obviously of because of distribution. Of course. But if we don't know that, I could see my way towards folding. Yeah. But that kid's got that look, you know. He looks like he's stealing. He and does. guess what he is? He he it looks like he runs a shop called Needful Things. And you walk in and he's like, <laughs> "This violin, it's f- I you know, I was just going to throw it. You can have it and it'll it makes beautiful music. Anyone who plays it plays beautiful music." And you're like, "But what does it cost?" He's like, 
well, there is no monetary cost. And then he makes that little smile and you walk out and, you know, you start playing that thing and it ruins your life, right? Yeah. That's this guy. So that look would really make me want to call. I agree. I'm sure he gets paid a lot because of that. <laughs> right? He's well, just got to. Somehow it works out for him the other way this time and Robert does end up folding. Yeah. Despite Kevin looking like he's just a jester in living life in order to mess with you, but still he gets the fold. I actually kind of get it. If you don't give yeah. Kevin enough credit to say this kid is good enough to turn one pair into a bluff here and put it together that that's the better play than trying to take his equity with one pair, then yeah, you should fold if you don't think that the kid is capable of that, but clearly he is. So that's, that's misjudgment by Robert. Here's, here's the other piece for Robert is if he folds, he still has 48 blinds. That's a lot, right? He started the hand with like 62, 48. Yeah. It's a bit of a hit to his stack. It's not a significant hit, though. Like, he's fine. Uh, if he calls and is wrong, he's going to have 22 blinds, and he's suddenly in the danger zone, as they like to say. Uh, like, suddenly he's like now like vying with Tony for like not busting forth. Obviously, you can come back from this and all that, but like it really changes the circumstance pretty dramatically. So if you don't know that uh, that Kevin is really capable of bluffing here, yeah, I'm kind of with you that like probably we should fold, I guess, I guess. But if we think he's got, if we think if we see him bluff at all in these spots, like we just have a really easy call and like that's what that's what way. distribution is for. Yeah, I know it goes the other way too though, because of course if we call and we're right, now we're the chip leader, right? I mean like. We win the yeah. tournament a lot more of the time. So, yeah. Well, it worked this time, and it was a, a good bluff, and I think a reasonable fold. Without yeah. if, if, if Robert doesn't know enough about Kevin, it's reasonable to fold. Mm-hmm. If you've played with him a lot, it's probably a bad fold. Agreed. 